and welcome back to Cine Matters, the film podcast coming from and to a cinema near you. My name is Ella Kemp. I'm Dan Serene. And we are on schedule. We are back with season two as we continued from our episode on A Star Is Born last time. Dan, how have you been? I've been very good, thank you. It's been London Film Festival this week. Seen some really good stuff there. My personal favourite so far has been Widows, the new Steve McQueen film. Have you seen anything you would recommend? I would. I've seen a lot of films at London Film Festival and festivals around that. But I think the thing that I would recommend this week would actually be a TV series, which is called The Bisexual, which was directed by Desiree Akavan. Um, she directed Appropriate Behaviour and The Miseducation of Cameron Post. And you can catch up with The Bisexual, which is a comedy series on Channel 4. So that is my recommendation for this week, outside of all of the many, many films that I'm sure we'll be talking about for the next four, five, six months to come. And speaking of all those films that we're going to be talking about for months to come, today we are talking about a film which is just as big as A Star Is Born, potentially bigger, because it leaves this planet (laughs) and it goes into space. Dan, tell us which film we're talking about today. We're talking about First Man. This is a biopic from the Academy Award winning director Damien Chazelle, who previously did La La Land and Whiplash. It follows Neil Armstrong, the first man on the moon. The titular first man. (laughs) As he goes from his days as an X-15 pilot, working his way into NASA as an astronaut, training and then eventually taking that one small step. It it couldn't really be more simple of a plot, to be honest. It's pretty straightforward, and I think it's a pretty straightforward step for Damien Chazelle following his previous projects. First Man is another film that he has made. It's another film. (laughs) It's another film that Damien Chazelle has directed in which Ryan Gosling stars. Sure. It is another film which has got a very large budget and a very wide appeal, I would say. I guess in terms of people coming to the cinema, again, we're going into a busy season, so a lot of people are coming to see this still. In a similar way to A Star Is Born, you've got a lot of different kinds of people coming to see this film for very different reasons. Mm -hmm. I think if you know of Damien Chazelle, if you know of La La Land, if you know of Whiplash or any of the actors that he's worked with, so Emma Stone, Ryan Gosling, Miles Teller, whoever it might be. J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons, of course. Such a wide fan pool from J.K. Simmons fans. Oh, gosh, the Simmons stands. (laughs) They'll they'll all be back for this one. But if you're familiar with his work and if you like his work, you're going to be into First Man. Who else is coming to see it? I mean, it's about Neil Armstrong. Every American person ever is going to come and see it. Sure, every American person. But also, people in this country, in the UK, know who Neil Armstrong is. And I think the appeal of this film is that everyone knows his name, but not many people know his story. Yeah, absolutely. Did you know his story, apart from the fact that he was the first man? I didn't, honestly. There are major aspects of his personal and professional life that the film explores that I had no idea about. Mm -hmm. Same. So I think for that reason... It's a pretty easy sell. Everyone wants to know about space. That's the third one. So you've got the Chazelle fans, you've got the people who know of Neil Armstrong, and then you've got people who love a good space movie. Mm -hmm. Out of curiosity, outside of First Man, what is the one space movie that you would recommend? My favourite space movie is Interstellar. I know that people have issues with Interstellar, but I think the way that they discuss planetary physics into a story that's essentially about love is fantastic. Do you think there's 
a better one than Interstellar? No, and I'm mildly surprised that you've said Interstellar because that is the correct answer. Obviously. But I thought you would have said 2001, Space Odyssey. Very close, I okay. think. And also Gravity would be up there okay. for me. That's good to know. Yeah, yeah. Interstellar is my favourite. I think First Man achieves similar things to Interstellar. There are some aspects in both films that I like for similar reasons, which took me by surprise. So there's a lot of different reasons to come and see this film. And I've been reading a lot of different responses to it. So the film premiered at Venice Film Festival. Then it went to Toronto. It went to Telluride. You know, it's had its public release for a couple of weeks. It's not as unanimously adored as one could expect. No matter about universal claim. Dan, what did you think of the film? I think my opinion might agree with some of the people calling out this film. First, the main thing is that it is such a step down from Chazelle's previous work. He has two absolutely brilliant films and then he follows that up with this and there is definitely stuff to like about it. It it is a good space film, it is a good biopic, has strong performances, but it's missing some of the cinematic magic that his other films have had. There is a, a level of impressiveness that isn't there. Were you excited to see this film? I was not. I say this every single week that I hate certain things. Uh, remakes I say quite a lot but I, I absolutely hate biopics. I think they're really lazy for filmmakers and a lot of the time they're made just for a performer to sort of show off. That is continues to be the case most recently I think with Darkest Hour was mm-hmm. not a film we needed and it wasn't a, a very well made film apart from Gary Oldman's performance I think. As Winston Churchill who famously won the Oscar. Gary Oldman not Winston Churchill. No that that's my point. I think these films are made to win Oscars. That's been going on for decades. But at the other end of the spectrum, you have biopics that are incredibly artistic, like Raging Bull and uh, Schindler's List. It deserves to be a film. It deserves to tell a certain story. And the issue that I have with biopics is that filmmakers don't know when a story is interesting because it's true or a story is interesting because it's interesting. And I think that there is an effect with the words this is based on a true story right. that makes an audience think, oh, that's really good because it's true. Mm. But if you if you remove that sentence and you look at every single biopic as a work of fiction, you'd come out of a lot more films thinking, I didn't really enjoy that. There was nothing really there. First Man, I think, falls in the range of biopics like Ray, which is about uh, Ray Charles, Finding Neverland, which is about a period of J.M. Barry's life, where it's very well-made biopic and it has a really good central performance or surrounding performances, but it's not its not going to blow you away. I find it interesting that you say that about biopics, which, because they're based on true events, it makes people like them more, because I've found that I've noticed people seem to be more unforgiving of a film story and then almost blame that on the narrative as if it's a poorly imagined story of these people who aren't very likeable but you Mm. think but hang on there's a reason that we're telling these people stories because they existed in the world and contributed something whether we like them for it or not and i've read a few things about about first man saying that neil armstrong is emotionally detached and distant and quite cold and we're talking about about the idea of a hero when in fact he's this quiet engineer that doesn't really engage with feelings and such and the way I've been reading it frames it as if Chazelle has written this strange character like why would you make your hero a quiet engineer and I think well because he was one okay but then it begs the question of 
if there's parts of that story that don't deserve to be seen on screen, if it's a, if he's an American hero, if people are saying that his quietness and unlikability or whatever means that he's not a good protagonist, then why does his story deserve to be told? I think it deserves to be told because of the things that he did, not just for America, but whether we like it or not, the moment that Neil Armstrong went to the moon is a part of history, be it the first time that anyone went to the moon, because that has been debated at length. Whether this film does right by everyone who was involved in that process, spoiler, it doesn't, (laughs) he is still the name that we know, and that shouldn't necessarily be the case, and we should be hearing more names, as we did with Hidden Figures all of two years ago. There are absolutely no Hidden Figures, literal or metaphorical, in First Man, but... I didn't know the story of Neil Armstrong. It's, you know, it's a name that I've heard and I think has been briefly touched upon at school or wherever else it is. I don't see it as such a bad thing that such a big name has a story like this in a film. And I really enjoyed the film. I don't think it was just a straight dry biopic because I think a lot of things that I like about Chazelle's previous work which again I know is not to everyone's taste I think Chazelle has a very specific way of colouring the worlds that he's painting with a romanticism mixed with this Mm -hmm. deep rooted insecurity as the ambitious creative white men try to do things (laughs) that will benefit the world but also save their own souls I don't think that was always going to be the Neil Armstrong biopic that we were going to get like if someone else directed this if it was a Clint Eastwood film right like american sniper it could have been much more still it could have been much more removed for someone like neil armstrong who apparently was so still and was so removed Mm. that with hindsight now would be what i would expect but i think chazelle gave it a lot of romanticism and this kind of uplifting feel that made it quite cinematic and i found to be quite gripping and really involving throughout so do you think there's a case for making the film that's honest and and maybe is going to not appeal to everyone rather than, say, if he had made a more aggressively patriotic film and just sort of fudged some of the facts a bit, like Beautiful Mind or something like that, a biopic where you're not receiving the whole truth. Do you think that would have been more appealing or more interesting? I don't know. I think it's really tricky because I don't know whether we're receiving the whole truth. Mm. I don't think we are. Just because of the fact that it... Because it never happened. Oh, gosh, this is... I don't know. (laughs) Look, I don't know enough about space politics or... Space politics. Space politics or conspiracies. But I think that this film focuses on the life of Neil Armstrong, his immediate family and colleagues and and whatnot, but it doesn't... I didn't learn much about the wider landscape Mm -hmm. of space engineering and travel and... Or America at the time. Or America at the time and as much scientific progress and troubles as societal politics and troubles and all of that. So I don't think we're getting the whole picture. If you want a straight biopic and a retelling of a moment in history, maybe that is what you need and maybe that is where a problem lies. But then I think in keeping with Chazelle's previous films and Mm -hmm. the kind of things that he cares about, that I think he cares about, then this is not surprising. And I think if you like him, which I do, then I liked First Man. There are certain bits of it that are really key Chazelle-isms, I guess. Mm -hmm. A lot of the film focuses on Brian Gosling's relationship with his wife, played by Claire Foy. And something that recurs in, in Chazelle's films, like the scene in La La Land, where the couple are arguing and the kettle is heating up in the background and you have the the noise of the kettle. These really real, very dramatic moments that kind of go outside of the stylistic dance sequences that are along the highway. And I think he balances those two extremes really well and it's really key to First Man 
the relationship there and the drama in their personal lives because it's it's quite a tragic story so seeing that in the hands of somebody who's focused more on space that could have been lost for sure yeah i agree i think you could have had much more about what the mission meant for whole society but in this film you had a lot more on neil armstrong's relationship with his wife which is difficult and it's a man who can't express his feelings Mm -hmm. And that's interesting to watch. (laughs) Totally. I think what's really intriguing here is that Neil Armstrong only really speaks to defend himself or defend his ideals, whether it's uh, when he's speaking to people who doubt the space program or his work, Mm. you know, his own proficiency in the space program or the press or anyone or even defending himself from his wife a lot of the time he only speaks at length to defend what he's trying to achieve. It's what he's trying to achieve, but it's also the cause that he has been employed to fulfil. Mm-hmm. So, for example, when he's talking to his sons at one point who are asking him about the mission and what he's going to do, Neil Armstrong tends to speak with a royal we all of the time, saying, we are planning on mm-hmm. returning, we understand the cost of what we're doing and all of that kind of thing. And I think it's quite interesting that you can see through Ryan Gosling's performance, the vulnerability and contradictions of this man, who has plenty of insecurities and doubts and everything, but still... And fear. And lots of fear. Yeah, but who still has to pursue and pull off this thing that the the country and the whole world is relying on. Mm. And there is this war between the way that Ryan Gosling has to portray the stillness and the detachment from his own feelings, but then he's also got to be convincing enough for you to buy this film and for, for it to be a human film that has the kind of ambition and romance that I think Chazelle is really good at. I totally agree. And I think that comes out in Ryan Gosling's performance. Yeah. Personally, I have been a bit disillusioned with Ryan Gosling for a few years. I think his best performance was Blue Valentine, but he's, he's very good in other stuff. Since Place Beyond the Pines, though, I think he's been focused on other things. I didn't really feel like he was pushing himself in La La Land. Here, it's like a new person. It's the same Ryan Gosling, the emotional Ryan Gosling that we had in Half Nelson and Blue Valentine and I think he should do more projects like this. So what do you think made his performance in this different to his performance in La La Land? La La Land felt like he was very much in his comfort zone playing the similar characters he plays in Crazy Stupid Love. It's kind of like the cocky, I know I'm attractive man. He has struggles in La La Land for sure but I never felt like he was going below the surface to find any emotion there. Mm. And this is utterly different he's always in his own head everything is right there behind his eyes i think it's the ryan gosling that became an independent hit in the noughties because he is a fantastic actor Mm. and he's back yeah i agree i really liked his performance in la la land but i would agree that i think this is a really impressive turn and i think that is obviously down to his performance but it is the way that he is directed and framed in there it is a space movie but it is a space movie that is obsessed with this man Mm. yeah and it's it's a lot filmed in close-up. Yeah, and it's really shaky and it's handheld. It's strange because I think as an audience member, you're not made to feel at one with him because I think you're always trying to work out what he's thinking mm-hmm. and why he's just just so cold and distant. But it's filmed in such close proximity that you want to know what's going on and it really makes you want to care about him. I think it didn't have to because, again, as he removes himself from it, from his own pain and always discusses the mission and as this distant thing, in theory, I should be obsessed with NASA right now. <laughs> But 
I care much more about Ryan Gosling's Neil Armstrong. And also, I have recently read quite a bit of criticism about the character of his wife, Janet Armstrong, played by Claire Foy. When I watched this film, I was really impressed with her performance. Mm -hmm. I am impressed with most things that she does. And I haven't watched The Crown, but films that I've seen her in, I think she's fantastic. And I thought she was amazing in this as well. And I thought she really anchored his performance with a different kind of energy. It had a lot more anger to it and a bit more fire. I think think she has the energy for both of them in their relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's kind of gaining more than she wants to because he's so detached. Yes, yeah. And I think the balance works very, very well. And it really does annoy me when I've read criticism against her character because that implies that she is a written character that complies mm. to stereotypes. Whereas, you know, it sucks for her, but that's who she was. Right. Again, I don't know the full story, but according to this film, this is who she was. She was Neil Armstrong's wife. In in the 60s. In the so 60s. Not a very progressive time. Not a very progressive time when this man just shut himself down mm-hmm. and you know, she had to keep the family together and also kind of hold on to her relationship. And and of course she cared. So of, of, of course you'll be neurotic. And, you know, wouldn't you be neurotic if, <laughs> if your husband went off to space? I probably, yes. You would, yeah. yeah. I don't like reading about her being pigeonholed as she plays concerned wife with mm. husband who goes off to war. Yeah, that character exists because it's based on real women who were those mm. people as I, opposed to being... And she's... that That's such a, a simplification of what her character is. Yeah. She's holding everything together. Yeah, I think she's terrific. Obviously, there is that moment in the trailer that I have seen memed a million times where Claire Foy, as Janet Armstrong, is at NASA. She wants answers for what is going on. All of the men are trying to, you know, metaphorically pat her on the head and say, stop worrying and stop listening to us. And then she says, what do you know? You don't have anything under control. You're a bunch of boys. (laughs) And that is the single greatest line in this film and perhaps all films in this Oscar season. It's just her delivery of those three words. Mm. Bunch of boys, bunch of boys. It's fantastic delivery. We can't argue with that. Bunch of boys. And for that reason, I think we should listen to her, take her seriously as a character based on a real woman and a real woman playing this character. Bunch of boys. So if Claire Foy's performance is something we think is Oscar worthy, is there any other categories you think this film could be nominated for come February? Yeah, sure so as much as Damien Chazelle's previous film La La Land was nominated for all kinds of things it did end up winning best original song and best original score and now Chazelle is back collaborating with the same composer Justin Hurwitz and I would be very surprised if Justin Hurwitz doesn't go on to pull it off again because you think he'll win again I really think he could I mean okay I think there's a lot of fantastic scores this year mm-hmm. which we, I'm sure we will discuss at length between now and February but I love the score in this film it's beautiful I think it's very special because in the same way that the film didn't need to focus on the humanity of this mission so much it didn't need the kind of music that it has like I think other space films that we've seen have really brilliant scores but they're very different in the style of it they're mm-hmm. a lot more claustrophobic yeah. and well they, they make things feel claustrophobic because they're so epic and kind of whirring and almost mimic just the sheer noise of rockets mm-hmm. you know just the noise of rockets whereas here you've got something which is more playful and it's very melodic and it makes a lot of sense as the 
direct sequel to La La Land because I think when you listen to the themes from La La Land and then the themes in this film I hate to say but they're, they're really similar to me they sound very similar but in a way that I find very very enjoyable so yeah and that's better than say if he'd sort of gone down the route of other space films if he'd copied the style of Hans Zimmer's in Stellar or Stephen Price for Gravity. Yeah. And it is different to both of those, which is fantastic. Yeah, I think what makes it different is that the scores from those other films, I wouldn't necessarily listen to those songs in isolation because mm. I love the melody. Yeah, you watch it with the film. Yeah, it's not something that I'd want to learn to play on the piano no. or like hum in the shower or whatever it is. Like, you won't be singing along to the score in Stellar. Whereas this one, it's beautiful and it's also very simple in terms of just, you know, it's just got like a few notes in a sequence that just come back and forth and then kind of float around the That screen. is music you are describing. I mean that as opposed to a score that creates an atmosphere without mm-hmm. you being able to dissect the elements that make it up because it's more of a sound that just kind of imbues the whole film with this feeling. Yeah. And after listening to it again today, I think you can tell there is, there's a lot of imagination and they're, they're playing around a lot more, so the main theme sounds very otherworldly deliberately because the instrument that they use is a theremin what is that so a theremin by definition is an electronic musical instrument controlled without physical contact by the thereminist brackets performer a theremin is this kind of device that has antenna that you kind of manipulate to make certain sounds that sound like aliens. For example, the the theme song for Doctor Who, you know it's got those kind of first few notes that sound like aliens. Yeah, yeah. like siren Yes, yeah. siren noises. So that is similar to what the theremin sounds like. It's got this kind of extra echo to yeah, it. Yeah, like make... ethereal kind of Yeah, sound. so it makes it seem much more mysterious and like a little bit magical in a way that even if you're just writing a waltz, as Justin Hurwitz does in a lot of this film, because he's using such a different kind of of instrument it does have this quality to it that just makes you think this didn't need to be in here but i'm really glad Mm. that he's just doing these crazy things with these crazy instruments i think that kind of sums up damien chazelle's work on this film that there are really really technically impressive aspects the score the sound design is outstanding the editing the cinematography that we spoke about it's linus sangren again from la la land but this story is not as impressive as la la land or whiplash for me at least Mm -hmm. i get that but i think this film is achieving different things. I don't think I love this more than the other two films, but I'm impressed by it in a very different way. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a step back for Chazelle at all, or for Ryan Gosling. I think it's got a very different kind of appeal. It's got a lot of problems, but then, but but so did La La Land, and mm-hmm. so did Whiplash. I think they're... Mm, Whiplash had no problems. Okay, Whiplash might not have problems that bothered you, or me, frankly. Sure. But the fact is, Chazelle's body of work bothers a lot of people because of the people that he focuses on, and the stories that he tells, you know, the things that he cares about... White American people. Right. <laughs> now, I don't think I'm the person equipped to say whether that's wrong or right, mm-hmm. but First Man didn't anger me because of that. I loved the romanticism of it. I loved the ambition of it. I liked getting to know this story that I didn't know before. I loved the craft of it. When they're going to the moon, that scene in the rocket, that the music and the cinematography, throughout the film I think it's really impressive. Just the scale just ramps it up and 
for about 20 minutes is just so suffocating in a way that makes me think my god the thrill of cinema honestly just amazing and then when they land as well I, I think it's really beautiful you know whether you agree with the stories he tells or not I think he knows how to tell them I would completely agree I don't know if criticism is going to rule him out of the best director race this year I think it could really yeah I think there's strong competition and mm. he could be left out and I would say the same about the screenplay. Yeah, the, the screenplay, I think that could be missed out on. But I don't know. I guess I guess it would, depends. Would you hope to see him in the best director category? I would. I, th- I think he's a very talented director. And, you know, this is his fourth feature because he did do a much smaller first feature called Guy and Madeline oh, on the yeah, Park Bench. Of course. He's got so much more left of his career to go. But I think he's achieved an astronomical amount. So I know that you have your reservations on this film, which are all for very good reasons. But overall, would you recommend that people go and see First Man? I think it's a film that's worth seeing and make your own opinion up about it. Yes. I would recommend this film wholeheartedly. Now, in order to assess the differences between my opinion and Dan's opinion, as we know on Cinematas, we must evaluate things. We must evaluate things in a very particular way. We must evaluate them linearly. Dan, how are we going to do this this week? Uh, This week we're asking how many goes would you have in the Mastiff, which uh, is an acronym. It stands for the Multi-Axis Space Test Inertia Facility, which is a a three-dimensional gimbal thing that the astronauts go in and it spins them around and they have to try and uh, stabilise it without passing out or throwing up. It looks horrible. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, how many goes would you have in this machine to in order to see this film? Well, now, a Mastiff, did I say that right? Yeah, mastiff. I believe so, I don't know. So I have not been in a Mastiff before in my lifetime so far. And I'm quite a small person, so I don't think I'd do a very good job in it. <laughs> However, I think this film deserves it, you know? I think, I think I'd go for a spin in it. I think I would go for a spin in the mastiff four times four times out of a out of only out of a potential five, five yeah. you're because you're only allowed in it five times you're only allowed in before it five you die, times maybe i've heard that's the rule yeah how about you i would pass out immediately i don't think i'd be any use but i'd certainly try three times i okay. think but no more well you know stronger men than you may be able to do a better job that is almost certainly the case so now that we've worked out that there are probably bigger people than me who can be in the master for longer and stronger men than dan who might like this film more let us leave first man where it is and you know hopefully see it again in a few months time dan what do we have coming up next in the next few months we have yet another biopic opening this week this one's about queen about freddie mercury uh, it's called Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, Rami Malek's in it, who is a fantastic actor, if anyone's seen him in Mr. Robot. I'm really excited about it. They're one of my favourite bands. Sorry, let's just pause this for a second. It's a biopic that Dan is excited about. <laughs> yeah, I am excited. Put um, it in your diaries because Cinematters is going rogue next time. Later in the month, we've got Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far On Foot, which is another biopic. About the satirical cartoonist John Callahan, played by Joaquin Phoenix. He's a really terrific performance. And it also stars Jonah Hill in quite the transformative role. We've also got The Hate You Give, which is an adaptation of the young adult novel by the same name, which focuses on a young girl in America reckoning with racial tensions and police brutality. It's really quite a galvanising and powerful film. Just one more that I would recommend as well, coming out later this month, is a Danish film called The Guilty that's uh, tense 
thriller. Fantastic. I have not heard of that, so I will seek that out for sure. So until next time, we hope you have enjoyed First Man. Proceed to enjoy First Man. If you don't, that's fine, because A Star is Born is still in cinemas. Um, We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Thank you very much for listening to us. Email us to let us know what you think. Yes. Now, we completely just missed this out last time which is rather scandalous for the start of season two but it's fine we're back we're rectifying it so if you have any questions any comments any suggestions any films you want us to talk about if you disagree with our opinions or the number of times that we would go for a go in the mastiff you can email us about any of these things we are at mattersofcine at gmail.com that's right that is the name of the podcast cine matters but kind of said backwards one more time mattersofcine at gmail.com <laughs>